My name is Keith Beavers, and am I just Gen X? Am I too old? I'm not really sure, but just... I mean, I really miss bumper cars. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 5 of Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the Tasty's Director of Vine Pair. How are you? So you ever go to a restaurant, open up a wine list, and just kind of like, oh my god, what do I do? Well, here's another real, real life application episode for you guys. We're going to learn how to navigate a wine list. It's important. I think it's important. This episode of Wine 101 is brought to you by Clos du Bois, which in French means a vineyard in the woods, or possibly just barrel. Either way, Clos du Bois combines French winemaking techniques with California grapes. If you see Clos du Bois on a wine list at a restaurant, spoiler alert, ordering wine is our topic today, you can feel confident ordering because their reds and whites pair with everything from master chef fare to macaroni and cheese. So to check out Clos de Bois and other wine we talk about on Wine 101, follow the link in the episode description to BarrelRoom.com. So last episode, wine lovers, I hope that I gave you guys a little more confidence, if you don't have it, in going into a wine shop or even a supermarket and kind of owning that space. Like, let it be your place to buy wine. Don't let it intimidate you. And there's a bunch of stuff you can do to get involved, and that's awesome. And I, you know, it's a retail shop. That's cool. You walk into a retail shop, you buy some wine, you go home, you have dinner, it's a beautiful night, right? You go to a restaurant, it's different. It's bustling. There's people in there. It's crazy. Things are happening really fast. You get sat down. Here's your wine list. Here's the menu. All right, this is going to be great. Looking at the menu. Oh, okay, I know what a pork chop is. I know what this kind of pasta is. You know, I don't know what that pasta is, but I can look it up on Google. This is all really good. I'm, this is good. I'm, I'm, exploring my, I'm enjoying myself. And oh my God, is that the wine list? It's huge. You pick up the heavy tome. You open it up. You're looking at the table of contents. You really don't know what you're looking for. You see things like champagne. You see things like red, white, France, Italy. Like, I don't even know where to start. Is there even a sommelier at this restaurant? I don't even know, but I need help. I get it, wine lovers. It's crazy out there. Sometimes it seems that every time you go to a new restaurant and get the wine list, it's different. It's organized different. There's different stuff there, things you don't understand. It's, it, can be, it could be very anxiety-producing, but you're in a public space. So you're kind of like, I don't want to show how lunatic nervous I am right now. And it is true. There are a lot of restaurants that are competing with other restaurants. Wine lists are competing with other wine lists or wine programs. So often wine d- list designs will be a little bit different and unique from place to place, place to place, because they're trying to be different and unique. Unfortunately, sometimes that just confuses the hell out of us. And all this is just natural. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into when you go to a restaurant with a wine list. Sometimes the, the restaurant will try to keep an updated list of their wine online, but that's not always the case. I mean, wine programs change so fast that it's hard to keep up with sometimes, especially in the very busy, popular restaurants. You would hope that it would be easy to just research online, go in, look at the wine list, know what you're doing, and order it. But sometimes you do that, you go in, you got it all figured out, you order the wine, like, oh, sorry, sir, um, we are out of that wine. I'm sorry, we didn't update our website. Is there anything else you'd like? And you're like, oh, <laughs> what? 
and this is the case, this sort of changing of the wine list all the time, whether the wine list is a big tome, like I was saying, or if it's only one or two sheets of paper. And I say they're always different because it's kind of a trend these days. Everyone's trying to find the new way to design a wine list so that you can enjoy it and say, that was a really cool wine list. <laughs> but there are some standard things that people think about when designing a wine list to help you out. No matter what, everyone's trying to help you out, whether they think they're doing it or not. So just like I had a wine shop for seven or so years, I had a restaurant and wine bar for 10 or so years. So I'm going to, instead of going through the minutia of a wine list, I'm going to go ahead and just talk about that, just this experience in general. You know, what it's like, you walk in, you're about to sit down, the wine list, all the stuff so that you can have all the confidence you need to get through the wine situation so you can order food and enjoy yourselves. You know what I mean? The first thing I like to do when I walk into a restaurant, because you know I'm going to order some wine, is to kind of catch the vibe. Is this a place where you see wine glasses on tables and wine bottles and decanters? Is, there, is, it, is, it, is it a wine-centric vibe? I mean, it doesn't have to be, but kind of gives you a sense of how maybe how geeky it's going to be. It's kind of a cool thing to check out. Now, once you're set and you get all the menus and the wine list is there, first thing is to, before you even open the wine list, two things to never worry about. Number one, never worry about pronunciation. Like, who cares? This wine list will probably have multiple languages in it. And you are not, you know, that's not a requirement for eating out. That's people have to know that stuff for you. So don't ever worry about pronunciation. You can point to a wine. You can try to pronunciate it, make a joke out of whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. You're just trying to get a good wine. Even if you can't pronounce it, it's totally cool. Another thing you can think about before you even open a wine list is to also not worry about price. You will buy whatever wine you want to buy at the price point you want to buy it. That's it. It, you're, it's just your money, it's your night, you do whatever you want. If the server or the psalm and you vibe and everything's cool, and they might want to like talk you into something a little bit more, which we'll get into that a little bit later, that's cool. But don't ever worry about price. There, there are wines on the list to buy, whether they're 30 or 100 or more, there are wines for you to buy, and the person that bought the wines for the list likes them. That's cool. In general, if a wine list is like a book, you know, it has multiple, multiple pages, the first few pages will have a buy the glass list. If it's a shorter uh, wine list, like maybe one or two pages, they may list all of the wines by the bottle and whichever ones are by the glass, you'll notice a little price slash next to the bottle price, meaning that that is by the glass. And often a buy the glass list will start with bubbly, then go to rosé, then white, then red, and then you'll have other categories after that. Maybe there's some orange wines. Maybe they have some fortified wines by the glass. And if a wine list is set up like this in the beginning, there's a good chance that's how it's going to roll from page to page going forward. Not all the time, but it's a good place to start. Sometimes it's nice to start with a bubbly. So by the glass list, you know, there'll be a bubbly there. Just, you know, either tell, ask the server what they suggest or pick what you want if you see what you like. But getting a, a glass of bubbly or even a bottle of bubbly before you even start getting into the wine list gives you more time to look at the wine list because the server's going and grabbing stuff for you. But also, when you have a glass in your hand looking through a wine list, kind of feels like you're already starting the experience, right? But either way, like I said, people, if you're in a wine-centric place or a place with a wine list, and you're, you know, we're on a wine journey here, right? Wine lovers, you're trying to find these places that have the wine list that you want to kind of dive into and, and, and explore, and often the people buying for this list actually, like I said, dig the wine they're buying and putting it on the list. 
So once you have a bubbly in hand, just literally open the wine list, flip through it, and get a sense of how this thing is organized. And it might be in the the the, the same um, uh, order as the by the glass list, or it might be by region, it might be by variety, it might be by uh, character, smooth, full body, light body, all this stuff. Just get a sense of it. Don't have to understand it right away. Just kind of know it. So when you're talking to the psalm later, you have an idea of what the wine list looks like. You can flip back and forth. You may have heard that it's cheaper to get a bottle than it is by the glass. And often that's the case. That's true. I mean, like the way wine by the glass is priced is a lot different than the way bottles are priced. And if you get four glasses of wine, which is the same as give or take a bottle of wine, you might be spending more, but that doesn't really matter because I mean, unless if it matters to you, that's one thing, but like that's not, this is a wine experience, right? So you either want to go for a bottle or you wanted to have a couple glasses in a bottle or you want to go by glass the whole time because you're looking at this by the glass list and you're like, oh my gosh, all this stuff is very cool. Maybe you order a glass of wine for your appetizer, a glass of wine for your entree, maybe two, and then a, something, maybe a, a dessert wine afterwards. It depends on what you want to do. It's all up to you. And also, as you get to the higher price points, that doesn't really make any sense. You're just buying a bottle of wine and maybe it's a little bit expensive, but you're going to have an awesome time with it. So don't worry about that too much. I kind of sitting here kind of talking about larger wine lists, but small and large wine lists can be intimidating and overwhelming depending on what they're offering. My restaurant was all Italian. I had a big tome, the one of the big intimidating wine lists. But what I did was I went from region to region of Italy and I had a little description of that region and what's popular and the food that goes with that. And I try to be as clear as possible, but me being as clear as possible in my head did not ever, always, never, <laughs> didn't often translate to the consumer. That's why we had to help them out. And I loved helping customers find the right wine. It's like one of my favorite things in the world. Another thing to think about when you're looking at a wine list is you don't always have to branch out and do something you've never tried before. And that's, I say that because sometimes wine lists will have familiarity, like wines from places or varieties that you're familiar with, but they'll also have some very esoteric stuff. If you want to go the esoteric route, that's awesome. We're going to talk about that in a second. But if you're not necessarily sure and you're a little bit nervous about the whole thing, there is nothing wrong with looking towards the things that you find familiar. Is it Napa? Is it Sonoma? Is it Italy? Is it specifically Abruzzo in Italy? Is it France? Is it Loire? What is, what is it that you are familiar with? And often when you have a wine list that has familiar places like that or varieties like that, it's a, there's a really good chance that some of them you've never tried before. So you're familiar with the area. Stick to what you know. Find something new within the area and you actually have, you will have a much more comfortable conversation with the, the psalm or the server because you have some, I'm going to say it again, familiarity. <laughs> like if you know you like Napa cabs and there's a Napa section and you're looking at all the cabs in there, you don't necessarily recognize any of them. You can have a conversation with the server, but the cabs that you do like and they, psalm or server, will know how to pair or get the wine, get close to what your preference is. It'll be fun. But if you do want to branch out, stick to the word I keep on saying, familiarity. <laughs> Because what you can do is you can just tell the server or the psalm what you like. Let's say they do have a Napa section. So you're talking, you're looking at all the Napa cabs. You have a conversation with the, with the server or psalm. And they say, they, they kind of guide you to a, a cab that you, they think you're going to like. And then you're like, you know what? 
what, if I like this, what else will I like? And then they can guide you to another place, another region, another variety or whatever, and help you have a new experience of something that it's in your preference point. And it's a win-win guys. And these are just ways you kind of have a, a grounding point to get to another piece of information if you want to branch out. But if you just want to like have a conversation, these these humans that you're interacting with, like it's their job to find something that you dig. And you can just say, say, say whatever you want. Say, I like peppery wines. They're going to have to figure that out. I like blueberry smoke. I like the aromas of blueberries. Okay, we're going to have to figure that out. I like cherries. I like wines with high acid. I like wines with high alcohol. All these things you can say because you're, it's your experience. You're about to buy a bottle of wine from them and open it and drink it. So it just you try to get to where you want to be. It's okay. You get to ask questions. Now, again, as we're talking about this, please don't worry about price. There's wines in there at any price point for you, which leads me to another cool thing you can do. If the, the one thing about finding a restaurant that has an awesome wine list that you actually enjoy and want to come back and explore means you have a restaurant you can go back to multiple times and you can, you can kind of get to know the staff. You can get to know the SOM or the servers that are there and they are often well-versed into with anything new that comes in. So if you go to a place and you have a relationship with them and you know the wine list pretty well and you're not intimidated anymore because you've been going a couple times, they'll see you and maybe they have a new wine on the list. They know your preference. They say, hey, by the way, we got a really good Cab Franc. I think you're going to dig it highly because you've been back and you've been here. And I, you know, all that. That's another really cool way to kind of get to know wine is to go back to a place multiple times that you really enjoy. And another cool thing is servers will often have a pre-shift meeting where the like whoever's in charge of the wine program might actually pop a bottle, taste them on new wines or taste them on wines that pair well with a certain dish or certain special they want to get you into. And that's a cool thing as well. And then there is to some, the daunting task of pairing food with wine in a restaurant environment. Now the ideal situation is you don't have to think at all. <laughs> and the people that are serving you and the Psalms, the servers and everybody, you trust them. This is going well and they make suggestions and it works. Or let's say you did it before and it worked and you're back again. You put yourself into the hands of the people. That's great. But if that's not the case, here's some things to think about when you're pairing food and wine, if it's something you want to do. One thing is just like we talked about with familiarity of regions and stuff like that, you can do the same thing with food and wine. If you know that Napa Cab goes well with a certain steak, you go ahead and do that. And the thing is, I know maybe you've cooked steak and had Napa Cab at home, but you're in a restaurant with a chef that does something a little bit different. So even if you get a Napa Cab and a steak of some sort off that menu, it's going to be different than what you had at home and probably an awesome experience. Another pretty surefire way of pairing food and wine is the grow together, go together thing. <laughs> so if you're in a place that has a wine region and local food and they pair these things together all the time, that's a good place to go. That's a good way to do this, especially if you're traveling in Europe. That's a whole different thing. If you're traveling in Europe, just basically do whatever they say because they are growing everything within miles of that restaurant and the wine is being made within miles of that restaurant and they've been doing it for a long time. You can trust that what they're pairing with the food and the wine is legit. 
But in other places like California or no, no matter where you are, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Texas, it's awesome to kind of say, well, well you're having a, I'm having this, um, this brisket. Like, what do you guys usually have with the brisket? Oh, Tempranillo. That's cool. I know Tempranillo. I didn't know it was in Texas. This is going to be a fun experience. Oh my gosh, you're having new experiences. But if none of that is working, you don't want to do any of that, literally ask the server or some what to pair with what you're having. Depending on how many people you're with, Psalms can actually find wine that pairs with everything. There are wines that are just great with all kinds of food, and they'll do that. And if that happens and it works, again, you, you log that away. So when you're doing it at home, you can go get that wine and do it at home. And one thing with pairing food and wine is, like I said earlier, you don't really have to do it at all. Um, there are some sharp contrasts in wine, food and wine pairing, and... and um, Season one, I have a whole episode on food and wine pairing and the science behind it. But something to think about is you're spending, you're going to be spending more money on the wine than you are on the food. So I would, you know, don't sacrifice what you want on that wine list for the food you're getting. If if it's not working, just do whatever you want to do. These are just ways to kind of guide you if you want to get that sort of experience. So that's my advice and on, on how you can, Navigate a wine list and a wine program with confidence and not, you know, feel anxious at all. Um, now, there are these two things that happen sometimes is sometimes wine is not what you think it is. And it could be because the person you're talking about with the wine, the server or some, maybe didn't interpret what you were saying the right way. Um, even though you said blueberries and cherries and you're very clear that then you taste the wine, you don't get any of that. Well, then that would be something you want to bring up but sometimes there's actually something wrong with the wine. Usually if the wine's corked or an oxidized bottle or something's glaringly wrong and you are not getting what the server and you talked about and you let the server or Psalm smell it and they will be like, oh yeah, this is corked or this is oxidized. And I have a whole episode on wine faults in season two. There's also the situation where the buy the glass program is a little bit messy in that maybe the restaurant's a little bit warm and maybe the bottles have been open for too long. And when you get a glass of that Barbera you're asking for and you sip it, it's a little bit oxidized or insipid or something's wrong with it. You have every right to ask if that's the case. And this can be a pretty awkward conversation, but you get to at least ask. And no one's going to look at you any differently. You're a patron at this restaurant and you're there to have a good time. You're going to, you're spending money and they're happy to have you. So... If the, if the wine, if the red wine you ordered is too warm and it smells a little oxidized, you get to say something like that. And one last thing before we go, the whole thing when people put the cork down in front of you, that's another thing that can make people a little bit nervous. Just know that is a gesture. There's nothing required with that. They give you the cork. You don't have to smell it. You don't even have to look at it. They're going to put it on the table and you can take it home with you or it can move around the table during your dinner, but smelling the cork of a wine does nothing for you to enjoy the wine because you're about to actually sip the wine and enjoy it. Because what they're going to do is they're going to pop the bottle. Maybe they put the cork on the table. Maybe they don't, but they're going to pop the bottle. They're going to give you a little taste. You're going to swirl it around or not swirl it around. You're going to smell it. You're going to taste it. You're going to confirm that it's you and that server or some talked about. And the cork is not going to add anything to that experience other than look really cool or you can, you know, save it for nostalgic or, you know, to remember that night or something. 
Now, yes, there are very fancy restaurants that have a whole thing with the cork. Sometimes they actually wax the cork for you, imprint it with the with the logo of the restaurant or something like that. And that that's of course it's yeah it's a thing. It's a it's a it's a big gesture. But that's all that is is just a gesture. Okay, so I hope this information helps you if you are nervous about wine lists or wine programs or eating in restaurants with wines. <laughs> I hope this helped you gain some confidence lose some of that nervous energy and just enjoy man it's wine how cool is wine guys i'll see you next week vine pair keith is my insta rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from it really helps get the word out there and now for some totally awesome credits wine 101 was produced recorded and edited by yours truly keith beavers at the vine pair headquarters in new york city i want to give a big old shout out to co-founders adam teeter and josh mallon for creating vine pair and i mean big shout out to danielle grinberg the art director of vine pair for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast also darby seaside for the theme song listen to this and i want to thank the entire vine pair staff for helping me learn something new every day see you next week e and j gallo winery is excited to sponsor this episode of vine pairs wine 101 Gallo always welcomes new friends to wine with an amazing wide range of favorites ranging from everyday to luxury and sparkling wines. I mean, Gallo also makes award-winning spirits, but you know, this is a wine podcast. So whether you're new to wine or an aficionado, Gallo welcomes you to wine. We look forward to serving you enjoyment in moments that matter. Cheers. Visit BarrelRoom.com today to find your next favorite, where shipping is available.